Welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast. We address the issues, opportunities, and challenges facing women in the development of the metaverse, the biggest revolution since the internet itself. Every week, we bring you conversations with top female talent and business executives operating in the gaming and crypto industries. Here's your host, Lindsay the Boss Poss. The Meta Woman Podcast starts now. Hello, and welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast, part of the Holodeck Media Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lindsay the Boss Boss, and from struggle to success, we're covering it all. To our returning listeners, thank you so much for supporting the show. I love hearing what you think about it. I love the reviews and ratings you leave. And for all the new listeners out there, I certainly hope you'll join me for a lot more episodes. I love bringing fresh perspectives to the show. Uh, and this is, a, I'm excited to introduce this person because this is kind of an area I haven't covered so much yet. Holly Gray is Human Resources Manager at Generation Esports, so she is the HR lead at Generation Esports, and I think HR has a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people, so I'm very excited to talk about what it means in the context of esports. So, Holly, welcome to the show. Hi, it's really great to be on. So excited that you're here. Please introduce yourself, give the audience <clears throat> a bit of your backstory, and tell us, you know, kind of what you do in broad strokes at Generation Esports? Yeah, so um, I kind of got a non-traditional start into HR than most people. I did the whole traditional route growing up. I went to college, got my degree. However, I didn't get my degree in HR. I got my degree in apparel, textile, and marketing, which is essentially fashion merchandising. I, for a very long time, thought I was going to be a buyer, um, like Rachel Green from Friends. Like I was, I was just going to rule the world. Um, entered the job force in Kansas City, and unfortunately for me, most of those companies that were here in Kansas City kind of moved to coastal cities, they moved out of state, or they just didn't do very well. Um, so during January of 2020, I was pregnant with my now two-year-old son uh, and was unfortunately laid off. And kind of had to great timing for that. Yeah, yeah, no, super fun. Uh, when I tell people that I was laid off, they're like, "Oh, the pandemic." I'm like, "Oh, no, no, something completely separate. Much, much more fun." <laughs> yeah. So I had my son, uh, who's now two, June of 2020, and I was very fortunate to get to spend eight months of his life with him. But during that time, I kind of had to look at where I was going from a career standpoint and took a career pivot. And you're probably wondering, was that HR? It wasn't. <laughs> it was marketing. Um, I then pivoted from merchandising into marketing. I got the opportunity to work at a small printing company in the Kansas City area and was unfortunately then laid off due to COVID. <laughs> wow. A, a, just a string of good luck is what I'm it hearing. Was, it was so fun. What, what a time to be alive. I'm telling you, I very great for my ego. Very humbling, let me tell you. Um, as, a, as a quick interlude here, I have spoken to several people who have felt really down and out about their careers lately. And so this is a good, this is a good uh, origin story of like, just keep going. <laughs> Don't give up. Yeah. Keep trying. So, okay. Now lead, no, us, lead us into that, the good arc. <laughs> I, side note, side note, that does bring a good point. Always keep going. Always keep trying because really it's, it's a lot of, hard work. And some of it's just luck. Um, 
you know, it, it just takes a lot of grinding, a lot of networking and just meeting and connecting with the right people, kind of like what we're doing today um, to find new opportunities. But yeah, there's there's my spiel on that um, little motivational speaking for you. But <laughs> I um, was applying for jobs. My son is probably six months old at this time, and I'm just applying for everything and anything that comes my way. Right. And I see this job pull across my LinkedIn feed and it says marketing associate generation. Now in my mind, I'm thinking that this is either the coolest job on the face of the planet or the biggest scam of all time. But I think I have nothing to lose. So I'll apply. So I interview. I go down to this rinky, dinky little office in River Market in Kansas City, um, which we like to take new people by to show them kind of where we started. It was a old apartment office building that was converted into an office. I interviewed, and two weeks later, I got the job. Um, neither of my bosses were in office. They were both virtual. They were both really great people to learn from. And I started working in December of 2020. Yep, get those dates right. I want to paint you a picture <clears throat> to truly show you guys yeah, like work came I'm a, I'm a picture painter, so bear with me here. I want you to imagine this rundown brick two-story apartment building with IKEA black desks, a smorgasbord of different chairs, and just esports prizing, esports medals, um, and random assortments of people everywhere. And that's what our office was. I was brought in. I said, "I guess you can sit here," and we got to work. <laughs> it was that's an experience yeah (laughs) it was but you know what a few months later we were fortunate enough that after oh geez I would say years of the founders our four founders just grinding and working and talking and and networking we were fortunate enough to raise our first round of funding and that's kind of when things started to kick into gear and I first started to realize that I was really good at working with people and I loved it. Um, A lot of the people I've interviewed, I talk about how, you know, sometimes your career path isn't necessarily the most obvious choice. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it's staring you right in the face. And my whole life, I've loved talking to people. I've loved working with people. And it was always just kind of this obvious choice. But in my mind and in society, I feel like there's this stigma around HR that they're mean or, you know, they're kind of like uh, the rule enforcers. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that hardcore, right? You know, obviously I'm here to uphold policy and make sure that people are safe and the company is within compliance. But ultimately, the thing that I like to focus on the most in my job is the human aspect, the people. Because in my mind, the people are what make a company great. It's what makes the culture so special. And for me, I genuinely have never been at a place before where I was so excited to go into work the next day. Not only because of the mission that is Generation Esports, but also my coworkers. I was laughing so hard the other day that I'm pretty sure I laughed off all my makeup over just the silliest conversation about a birthday bot that I had put into Slack. Um, 
And it's like that on a daily basis. The people here are kind and they're hardworking and they're smart and they're determined. And it's so inspiring to see people who you've helped bring into a company just go forward and just thrive. It is the most rewarding feeling. So not the most traditional start, but that's how I got my start was after Series A, I was given the opportunity to be an office manager slash people experience associate, and I took it. Gotcha. And that makes sense. Can you talk about, because last time we spoke, we talked a lot about getting into HR and what human resources is. So I would love for you to talk about Well, okay. I guess we should back up a little. If you could give like a two sentence description of what Generation Esports does, what would it be? Yeah. Yeah. So Generation Esports is a tournament-based platform that also caters to um, scholastic esports. So Mm -hmm. predominantly the high school arena, we run and host a lot of tournaments and communities. Um, but also we are a tournament-based platform that enables communities to come together and find that sense of belonging and find that sense of community that a lot of kids, um, frankly, don't necessarily get in high school, but are now getting because of the virtual world we're moving towards. Okay, so now let's talk about the role of HR at a company that does competitive play experiences. So what is your role in HR? What do you Yeah. So that's an interesting question. Um, It's not as cut and dry as you would think, because we are a startup. So the term wearing multiple hats gets thrown around a lot. And that is true to its fullest extent. So my primary responsibilities, I would think, are one, employee engagement. Mm -hmm. So that deals with the internal culture, how people are developing, how people are in terms of satisfaction, both um, job-wise and, you know, what they're getting out of the company, but also hiring, onboarding. Um, I'm in charge of policy implementation. Um, I assisted with the development of our handbook. I have hired or assisted hiring over half the staff. So it's a lot of groundwork that I've been so fortunate to be a part of, but it's not just the simple onboarding, hiring, termination. It's so much more than that. Um, It's running office events to bring kiddos into the office to run LAN events, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of everything and anything to do. That's what I was going to ask is, would you say that the bulk of your time is spent on internal operations or is... Like, what's the ratio, I guess better question is, what's the ratio of internal operations versus external engagements of the community? Again, I know you're a startup tournament provider in the esports industry, so it's kind of niche, but just wondering what that looks like. Yeah, so I would say in this situation, most of my time is spent in internal operations. Um, I would even kind of consider hiring internal because I'm hiring for a position within the company. So I'd probably say it's it's about 80-20 split um, because I'm also the office manager full-time as well. Um, I do assist with company outings, um, but also assist with bringing high schools in to kind of learn about what we do here, to learn about potential career paths. Um, I would like to get more into recruiting. Um, unfortunately, I just don't have the bandwidth right now, but that's something we're looking towards um, in the future. Gotcha. And one of the things that we talked about before was that you were 
involved in getting a certification specifically for HR. And I just would love to hear for people who are looking. I mean, I think that I can kind of safely say that there's an HR crisis across the gaming industry, whether you're talking about competitive play to game development, like everyone needs to be hiring HR folks. Um, but I want to know for people who may be entry level, may not be interested in getting a degree or may have a degree like yourself that is not in HR. What are the educational opportunities or certifications or things that you might recommend to someone who is looking to fill in where this is desperately needed, um, but doesn't have the needs to start, basically? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, def I'm definitely not an expert on all things education wise. Um, I just know what I know based off of my own research. When I first got into this, I knew that I was going to need more training right? Because I can't sit here and say that I am the best of the best if I don't try to be. Um, so I sought out ways to get higher education without necessarily signing up for the full four-year course, because I've already done that before. I have a two-year-old at home and I don't have time. I would say, especially for the working person or um, somebody who might have children or just don't have time, a great route to take would be a professional certificate <clears throat> from an accredited college. I got mine from Michigan State University. Um, and it was a very in-depth look of what talent management kind of looks like, both from a corporate perspective and what you should be doing on a day-to-day -day basis. I will say that in a more nationally recognized setting, uh, setting the SHRM or SHRM is a nationally recognized organization for HR. It is kind of like a subscription in a sense where you pay for a membership, but it gives you access to all of these um, documents, training, um, templates, basically anything and everything you need in terms of HR, one to learn from and also to kind of bounce new ideas off of. And through SHRM, you can take a um, accredited course. So I will be testing for my SHRM CP, which is the lower level form, this upcoming spring. But in order to take that, you have to be involved in the industry for at least two years. So I will have to test for it this spring because that will be my two-year mark. But I would say a good starting point is definitely that professional certificate. That makes sense. Um, and would you say that, um, again, just asking for folks out there who may not be interested in four-year degrees, and I'm also interested in highlighting things that are alternatives to four-year degrees, but would you say that you feel that a degree was necessary to getting your current role, or do you think that certifications, entry-level experience can kind of, I mean, also it's right place, right time, but um, would it? do you think it would be reasonable to not have one as well? Yeah, I, in any other field that I've been in, marketing, merchandising, I would have 100% yes, you need a degree. HR is different though. Um, I feel like just like teaching and like service industry people, human resources takes a special kind of person. It almost takes this sort of finesse and adaptability to be able to work with different types of people. So I wouldn't say necessarily that companies are looking for that degree. Definitely a bonus. But I think what they're looking for is good energy. I think they're looking for time in. So a good place to start is having a job out of college and maybe a more 
corporate setting where you can take those skills um, from marketing, merchandising, from analytics, and then apply them to an HR perspective. So they're looking for real life experience. Um, I would say a degree of some sort is always helpful, but it's not necessary. And I definitely think with the way that the U.S. is moving, especially in regards to education, I feel like it's becoming more and more, not necessarily outdated, but people are becoming more adaptable and more versatile. Definitely. Yeah. Um, which I think it's a good thing because four-year degrees definitely are not for everyone and that's okay too. And yeah, I said that's that's someone who, okay. yeah, I did six years. I did undergrad and master's and uh, yeah. I did love it. I really love school, but <laughs> it's not something that I think is worth pushing on everyone. Um, within all of this, and we've been talking about a bunch of different things, but one of the things that you noted is that you're working on hiring and being involved in the hiring process. Um, and I know that you said that you want to get more involved with recruiting down the line, but obviously you're still kind of in that hiring, uh, portion of things. So you get to see what it's like to bring in candidates and all of that. Um, one of the recurring themes that's come up on this show is the great resignation, and I've had several guests talk about deciding when it's time to try to find a new job or try to start a business. And I myself was part of the great resignation. So from your perspective, what has it been like hiring for an esports organization, you know, finding those folks who may even be part of the great resignation or like yourself have been let go from a job and now they're kind of looking for their next opportunity. How are you able to find those people that are willing to work in a startup atmosphere, stay competitive with other companies, and make sure that your hiring pool is kind of big and diverse? Yeah. No, um, you know, that's an excellent question. Um, I would say that the answer is kind of a couple fold. I think for one, it it's very helpful for us that we work in an industry that is seen as kind of like this dream country, right? Um, I get a ton of people that will run across my desk that will say, I've always wanted to work in video games. It's always been a dream of mine. And I think that resonates with a lot of people, especially when our company in particular is working towards something that a lot of people recognize and relate to, being that they were seen as maybe not the cool kid in high school, or you know, maybe they didn't necessarily fit in. And that's something that a lot of us can resonate with. So for us, in terms of being a startup, it's not hard to sell because what we are trying to attain and who we are trying to help is almost inspirational in a way that I feel like it makes up for the fact that it is a startup. And I won't lie to you. Being a startup means that we can't necessarily compete with the bigger corporations in terms of salary. So a lot of times what I try to tell people um, is I try to talk about our benefits, right? I implemented a paternity leave policy that both includes women and men. Um, in this policy or birthing people. Um, so what that looks like is for women, it is a full three months of full pay, which is not common in the industry right now, but it's also a uh, month no. of full pay for men. Oh, that's because awesome. for me, diversity is something that I don't like to just talk about openly. I like to actually do something about it. So I wanted to make sure that 80% of our company is male. I want to make sure that we're catering to those people too, because they deserve to spend time with their families just as much as any of the rest of um, additionally, you know, we've tried to stay competitive with unlimited PTO. Um, and that is in its truest form. We haven't had any issues with people abusing that. And I found that a lot of our employees, you know, really 
appreciate that. They appreciate not having to worry when a family crisis comes up or maybe they're just feeling a little burnt out and they need a break. Um, So it's benefits like that that are more appealing and kind of offset that startup maybe issues that some people may face. That definitely makes sense. I think you also, I know that you're not as involved in recruitment as you want to be, but I believe we talked about some of the recruitment strategies that you were putting in place to try to make sure that the hiring pool was was quite large. And I was wondering if you could mention some of those as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'll be completely honest with you. These, not policies necessarily, but these movements that I'd like to go towards haven't necessarily happened yet. We're still working our way towards them. Mm-hmm. What I'm looking at is pulling directly from HBCUs, which we have done in the past, um, in order to pull in more of a diverse pool of candidates Um, Because I'm a firm believer that when you get different types of people in an organization, the ideas that blossom from that are um, so incredibly unique and so valuable. So we're looking at pulling from specific HBCUs. We're looking at going to job fairs um, to kind of cater towards more of those minority groups, but also just making sure that we're looking thoroughly through their backgrounds. We're looking at their experience. We're looking not necessarily even at their college degree, but what they've done in the past, who they've worked for, kind of skills they've attained. Um, I personally dig through every single application that goes through um, my desk. I look them over. I sort them as I go. Um, It's not done through a formula. It's not done through a machine. It's all done via personal touch. And I don't know if I'll always be able to do that, but Until then, um, I just feel like everybody deserves a fair shake. Looking through every um, resume is quite a tall order. So I commend you for that. Um, If you get a flood of people applying from the show, I apologize. (laughs) No, I, you know what? I hope they do because we need engineers. There's a plug. (laughs) Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if any of the engineers out there are looking. Um, so speaking of, let's actually talk about what you do at Generation Esports. I know you've given us a short overview. One word that comes up over and over on Generation Esports' website is community, which is just a hot word in the gaming industry in general, for yeah. sure. Um, part of your platform is reaching local communities, engaging with the gamer population there, especially high school students. So what is different about you? Do, what you do at Generation Esports that actually brings the community together and encourages not just one-off events, but leagues. Yeah. The thing that I'm super excited about in regards to our company is the curriculum that comes with it, right? So um, we work with schools, school districts by implementing our curriculum that we've actually developed in-house by two of our employees, Christy and Mike. Um, They're amazing. They developed the curriculum, I believe, a year or two ago. Um, And what this is, is it offers a step-by-step walkthrough for teachers to then learn how to teach um, courses around esports in the classroom, which then allows for students to, one, be able to learn firsthand what it means to be in esports, what it means career-wise, what it means from a competitive standpoint. Um, It teaches them about teamwork, collaboration. critical thinking, and it applies it in a real life sense, which then allows parents 
um, to kind of be a little bit more open to the experience because I feel like in the past, a lot of, um, a lot of parents or maybe people of the older generation were maybe not as open to the idea because, you know, we've all heard it before. It's just kids playing video games, you know, go outside and get the fresh air, but it's not just about that, right? In my mind, gaming, esports, it's one of the most inclusive activities that you can participate in if done correctly, right? Because it doesn't discriminate by, um, hypothetically, it doesn't discriminate by gender or race or sex, any of that. Um, it is an all-inclusive atmosphere where these kids can come together and truly, one, enjoy each other's company, but also compete in a very level playing field. And I feel like by establishing that curriculum in the schools, it's also going to allow for more kids to learn about esports opportunities as well. So I think that's kind of what makes us different from some of our other competitors. Yeah, that curriculum is definitely kind of new. Um, what has the response been like for you um, from schools? Yeah, so I don't have hardcore numbers, but from what I've been told yeah. and just firsthand experience, um, it's been very openly accepted um, and people are excited about it. I mean, honestly, we've even had educators that have come to work for us because they oh, want to be a part of it. Um, yeah, we've, we have a lot of teachers on staff, which I think also makes us kind of unique because we get that teacher perspective um, mm -hmm. firsthand of what it's like to be in the classroom, what it's like to be teaching and coaching these kids and what they need from us to be um, one successful for them, but also successful for the community and what they truly want and need. Gosh, wow. Okay, that's pretty cool. And can you tell me more about, because I know, so you have the curriculum where you get into school. So what does it look like? Like if I were at a school and I called and said like, hey, I want to bring you in. What happens? What's the process? What? So sorry. What, what do you mean by that question? So <laughs> I know that you have the curriculum. If I was say a principal and I called and I said, mm -hmm. okay, like I want generation esports at my school, what would happen? Oh. Yeah. So first and foremost, we have to be approved, I believe, by the district, and that may or may not be necessarily correct. But I think that there are some guardrails that go into place. Um, but I think genuinely, generally speaking, what happens is they contact us or one of our sales reps, because um, they're kind of have each their own each individual territories. Um, from there, they kind of talk to them about what it means to get that set up. And then they are then diverted to our success team. Um, which is an amazing group of people who work with educators and parents on a daily basis on onboarding them onto our platform and what that means um, and what that would look like from a competitive standpoint, but also from a curriculum standpoint. And can you just go into more of what the competitive landscape is like? Because I believe, like, I, I've read an article by Generation Esports Partners at ACES Hardware, um, but I don't know that I fully grasp, like, I... Are you creating leagues for students to compete in? Is it like, are you doing teams at schools? Like, what is the competitive play actually like? We talked about the education part. Like, now tell me about the play part. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it kind of is separated into, I would say, a couple major categories. So we have the high school esports league, which encompasses all high school students um, from public to private high schools. So those are going to be your 
teams, your esports teams in the high school arena. We have the mid- middle school esports league. We have collegiate. And then we also have the military gaming league and we have amateur. Um, so kind of how those titles are named, that's kind of the communities that they belong to. But essentially how it is, is they're divided up into groupings and they can participate in tournaments within those communities. But also if they wanted to, they can also enter into amateur communities as well. So we do offer amateur tournaments like the Triton Cup that we host, and that's kind of an ongoing tournament. But then we have also the bigger tournaments like the high school esports league, fall major, spring major, and the national championship as well. Okay, gotcha. So that, okay, that makes a lot more sense. So people within Generation Esports can then compete in their groups as well. Um, How did you get involved in creating, or do you know the origin story for the military league? That's fascinating. Yeah, actually, that one's relatively new. Um, mm-hmm. To be honest, I think it was just a lot of, I know this person, and this is what they're looking for. There was a hole in what they needed and wanted in terms of esports and competitiveness. And a lot of military, a lot of our military, um, that's how they spend a good majority of their free time. They like to play video games, relax, um, connect with people that they may not get to see on a daily basis. So there was kind of this hole in the um, environment. And we kind of went in and said, hey, you know, we'll help you out, help you build this, um, and we'll provide that community for you guys so that you guys can connect, interact, um, and just, you know, do what you love to do. Gotcha. Are people competing generally within folks from their area and in-person events or is it mostly online games for now yeah for now it's mostly online okay i will say that most of the high school teams usually have their own lab or sometimes they have like a gaming area that they go to and compete together but for the most part it is still remaining virtual gotcha that does make well that also makes it kind of easier to grow like a bigger league too so you can get more Mm -hmm. tournaments happening zooming out a little bit the way we're talking about this is obviously so reminiscent of like little league baseball and all the other I mean even girl scouts or boy scouts or all those other kind of activities that you sign kids up for when they're younger um how like when do you think as someone who's been here for been in esports for a little bit now when do you think that esports and gaming as a form of competitive player activity that you sign your kids up for when they're younger is going to become the norm rather than it's still it's still a little bit on the fringes to me and I could be I could be wrong in that assessment too feel free to prove me wrong on that but I still feel like I hear a lot of the like you need to go outside folks so yeah when do you think that that kind of tipping point is going to happen so are you talking about timeline or are you talking about how old do you think these kids will be when they start signing up for Ooh, I was talking about timeline but I like this angle of how old do you think you should sign kids up for because that's that's interesting so yeah now you can answer both questions (laughs) well I've got answers for both so in terms of timeline I think we're kind of already heading towards that path of it becoming more normalized um I grew up in a time where uh watching anime, playing video games was sometimes seen as taboo. I mean, I remember watching, you know, cartoons and anime secretly at night without my parents knowing on a laptop turned sideways because I thought I was going to get judged or bullied. But now it's so amazing that, you know, things like anime, J-pop, K-pop, gaming, all of that is becoming more socially accepted. 
And I feel like we're heading more towards this path of understanding and inclusivity. And I know that's kind of a buzzword that gets thrown around a lot in the industry, but I genuinely do feel like these kids and, you know, young adults are getting this opportunity that some of us growing up maybe didn't have. And that's why this mission is so important to us. So to answer your question, I feel like it's in the near future. I definitely know that there are still going to be barriers to entry. But the great thing about what we do is we've done studies around um, what it means to be involved in activities like this. And we've seen an increase in overall GPA. We've seen increases in general happiness among the student body. We've seen, you know, increases of attendance at school because kids want to do this. They want to be a part of it. And I think when parents see firsthand what that means to their kid, um, it is the most valuable thing as a parent that you can get is you're seeing your child firsthand find this community and find happiness in something that maybe you didn't think about firsthand. And I think because of that, the acceptance and, you know, the normalization of it is vastly approaching us, especially with, um, and I know we're going to talk about this more later, but the metaverse and with NFTs kind of becoming this virtual baseball card kind of idea, I think we're heading towards that path. Now, in regards to how early to introduce your children, that's a question I don't necessarily have a hard opinion on because, you know, as a parent, I would like to think that I have full control of um, what my child see and sees and does on the internet. But I'm also one of those people who fully believes that he shouldn't get a cell phone until he's in high school, because why does he need to be on social media? Um, I still think there are a lot of issues with cyberbullying and um, honestly, discrimination within the gaming industry. I know I talked a lot about how it is something that everybody can do, and that's true. But unfortunately, the fact of the matter is, is that there are still people out there who will judge you based off of your gender or your race, and they'll say nasty things because it's done virtually. So I think I would love to see it in an elementary standpoint. I would love to see kids learning about cyber safety and how to appropriately handle themselves on the internet. Kind of like going all the way back to kindergarten, you know, sharing is caring, respect is mutual. I think these are things that can be taught. I think that's probably a little farther down the line, but I do think it would be beneficial and I think it is possible. I just had on Eve Crevache a couple episodes ago and she was she was telling me how her her child who was 11 or 12, I believe, was heavily involved in online gaming and and really loved it, but didn't have a cell phone yet either. And I I wish I could remember the exact term she used, but she was basically like, "No, gaming is good. Gaming is beautiful. Gaming is great." And she it, it was something about like healthy online time. Um, and she had like yeah. a really like nifty term for deciding like what was healthy and what wasn't. And so yeah, I think that you you and her and very much agreement on that. And I agree with both of you as well. Um, and as you kind of alluded to with discussion on the metaverse and NFTs and, you know, kids are already in it because they're on Roblox and they know how to trade all this kind of virtual money and all these kinds of virtual goods. And really it's us, us adults that are like way behind whatever yeah. eight-year-old, I mean, my eight-year-old cousins, you guys like understand economies better than I do. Like, um so cool though and I remember having similar experiences with like RuneScape when I was younger and all kinds of stuff where I got to do the same thing that I've now just stopped doing as I got older unfortunately um yeah 
But with this discussion on the metaverse and NFTs and digital assets and all that stuff, one of the things that we've been talking about on the show is how gaming is a way to get people more comfortable with it. I think a lot of people get caught up in trying to understand um, like the architecture of the blockchain. And when it comes down to it, like none of us understand the architecture of the internet. I have a magical Wi-Fi signal that leads me to online worlds. Do I know how that Wi-Fi signal gets broadcast to my device and makes it work? Like, no, not even close. <laughs> and I don't need to. So, but what I have understood and what I think really gaming has done is like, gotten people so much more comfortable, right? Like even when we think about early cell phones, like people were playing snake on their phones before, before we had like phones that could do like all of these things now. So I'm, yeah. I'm just wondering, so you, cause you work at a competitive esports organization that has programs for kids, teens, and adults. What do you think the role is of esports and gaming and getting people more comfortable with online worlds, with digital assets and ownership? Like, do you foresee that something that a place like Generation Esports is going to play a role in that transition? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I can't really speak necessarily on what I think the company is going towards. I would no. like to think that that <laughs> could be a guess in your company strategy in the next 10 years. I think that you would like probably be ahead of it or something so definitely not asking to predict the future just more so like as someone who works in this what do you think is going to be that role yeah I think this role is more of a more of an education right so I don't know if you remember this I surely do when I was growing up they used to sell these educational textbooks right and they had these little cd-rom discs games inside of them and I looked forward to doing it every single year because they were so fun and it was educational and it taught me you know basic math and reading but it was also fun in a video game format and I think that's kind of what we're moving towards in terms of esports and gaming is that this can be seen as an educational tool for parents and for the older generation like hey here's the benefits of um let's say nfts for this organization and you can collect cards and it's going to be valuable, but it's also really fun for these kids to kind of like play through. And it's exciting when you open a virtual pack and you look through what you got and, Oh my gosh, I got a super rare, shiny, whatever, whatever you have. Um, and it kind of makes it an idea that's easy to understand for parents. Cause I know for me, I still collect Pokemon cards. It's a physical thing. I love it. There's a thrill, a rush that I get when I, open it up and I find a hollow and it's it's a hyper rare and I put it in my binder and then I show it off to all my friends. It's the same thing. It's just a digital format. And it's something that all these brands are jumping on board with doing. So we're seeing major corporations. We're seeing, um, I mean, I think the NFL just launched something similar. Um, yeah, I think you're right. So it's it's something that is going to be more universal, but also something that people across the world can participate in. And I think that's pretty exciting. And in terms of the metaverse, I think this is just another way for us to connect with each other as human beings. Um, I saw that, <laughs> not trying to plug Roblox or anything, but I, I was on TikTok the other night and I was just going through my videos and Charlie XCX was having a live concert and 
that's that's a cool idea that me, some random person, can join some other random person across the world to go experience this artist live together that I would have never met, you know, Susie Joe from wherever, and she would have never met me. But now we're here together appreciating an artist together. And that's a really cool collaborative um, idea. And I think it's so broad right now that a lot of people, that's why they're having a hard time wrapping their minds around it. But as we continue to shape it and develop it, um, I think people are going to start realizing how valuable that kind of connection is. Yeah, I like that. Um, I always think about Paris Hilton had like a whole experience within Roblox. And I was like, if anything gets me onto the Roblox platform, it will absolutely be Paris Hilton's experience island. (laughs) I am all the way in on on doing that. Um, Right before we get into our last segment, I'm going to kind of summarize what we've talked about so far, which has been so much fun and we've covered a lot. So we start off with a very inspirational story, actually, about um, all the job transitions you've had and how a lot of finding opportunities is hard work and a portion of it is luck, but you just got to keep going because you never know what might happen. Um, We talked about HR and what it's like at a competitive tournament provider. It's a lot of your work is spent on internal operations, making sure employees are engaged, being involved in the hiring process creating the employee handbook. So making sure that that day-to-day stuff is really smooth. For folks that want to get involved in that, professional certificate opportunities from universities offer an in-depth look at talent management and can provide the tools to be successful in that role. SHRM is one thing that you mentioned. It's a nationally recognized test um, for standards in HR. And I know that you mentioned that that's a bit more of a process, but if you're truly interested in that role, it's something to consider. Um, I asked you how you're able to kind of go through the hiring process and find folks that are interested in Generation Esports. And you mentioned that you can really sell the mission of it and that good benefits are a way that you've been able to remain competitive with generous pay from larger companies. So things like really good uh, family leave policies, um, unlimited leave, mental health days, all that kind of stuff. We talked a bit about recruitment strategies, which is something that you mentioned that you wanted to get more into. Um, one thing that you mentioned that you've been trying to implement or re-implement or do more of is pull directly from HBCUs. And one thing that you do that I love is that you read every resume, which is time consuming. But as someone who has gone through many sad hiring processes, I appreciate knowing that there's a human on the other end who might actually think about me for an instant. Um, when it comes to working with education and what you do at Generation Esports, you have a fully developed curriculum that offers step-by-step walkthroughs for teachers to learn how to teach courses around esports in the classroom. So for any of you that are in the education industry, go check out Generation Esports. Students can learn what esports careers actually are, as well as learning teamwork, collaboration, critical thinking, and all kinds of other kind of skills that you would learn in the classroom. Um, You also have leagues for middle school, high school, military, and amateur people who are interested in competing. Participants in each of the leagues can participate in tournaments within those communities or can also join into tournaments in the amateur league, which is kind of a good way of creating digital experiences with lots of people in lots of places um, and still allowing for flexibility to move up if you are so inclined. We talked, we ended with kind of a discussion on the metaverse, future tech, what is going on with all of that. And you noted that we are heading more towards inclusivity. Kids are getting an opportunity to join communities that might have been frowned on a few years ago, or just 
know, frowned on, misunderstood. People felt apprehensive about things like anime and gaming. And there's still quite a few people who feel apprehension. But as you noted, that's finally starting to turn the other way. Um, and we will hopefully very soon see the normalization of all these activities in terms of local leagues, community leagues, the same way we see a lot of sports or outdoor clubs or all kinds of other things. And doing this has positive results. You've noted that you all have seen higher engagement in school, better attendance, better grades. And that comes because kids are doing stuff that makes them happy. So it keeps them uh, engaged in what they're doing. And we ended talking about how we can use gaming to kind of get into the metaverse. Competitive gaming and or just gaming play in general is going to be an educational experience for folks and in order to get them comfortable with online worlds, with things like digital assets and ownership, which are such murky ideas right now. And as you noted, it's sort of reminiscent of the CDs that used to come in the back of textbooks. Esports and gaming can show people what's fun about interacting with blockchain tech like NFTs. So now that I've done all of that, we're going to get into the very last question. This is a section I like to do at the end of every show. This is a chance for you to kind of look back and offer words of wisdom, which you also did at the top of the show. So this is a very nice bookend. <laughs> um, the question I like to ask each guest that comes on is, what is one thing you would like to tell your younger self about getting into the gaming industry and being successful? Yeah, so something that my parents always told me was that if you find a job that you enjoy doing, you will never work a day. And that's true. The problem is, is that a lot of us don't necessarily know what would make us happy as adults. And it's tough because as 18 year olds, a lot of us are expected to go into the workforce or college and figure it out. And in my opinion, that's a really young age to figure out life. I didn't have it figured out. And I think that's perfectly normal. I would tell my younger self to just keep my ears and eyes open and to just really be true to myself, as corny as that sounds. If I had figured out that yeah, I love being with people. I love following process and rules. And I love um, enabling people to find their best selves and help them grow in their careers. I get a lot of satisfaction from service and the service industry. Maybe I would have discovered that this was my true path all along. Um, and it's hard to be true to yourself. But I just think that if we stop worrying about what other people think of us all the time, and that's not necessarily to mean that you shouldn't care about what other people think, because I definitely think you should care about other people's feelings. But really just be true to yourself and what you want, what would make you happy, regardless of what other people think, whether it's nerdy or lame, quote unquote, or uncool, you know, do what makes you happy. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, I wake up every morning excited to go to work, excited to see my coworkers, and there's nothing more fulfilling than that. And so I would just say to just, as lame and corny as it sounds, just really be true to yourself. Just Think about what you want, not what about your parents want or what society wants. Think about what you want and go for it. You know, the worst case scenario is that somebody says no, and then you try a different route. You know, what's been incredible about doing this show is that so many people have given that same piece of advice. And what that says to me is that a lot of folks spend time trying to kind of fit in or, or worrying and imposter syndrome is something that comes up all the time and it's like no oh, yeah. no just be you <laughs> I mean I'll be honest when I my mom she tells this story all the time and it's so funny I went to college I said mom I'm gonna major in kinesiology right because my mom she got a doctorate degree 
I just wanted to make her proud. That's all I wanted to do. And she said, why do you want to do that? I said, because, you know, it's it's a good job. She said, is that going to make you happy? And I said, it should. I, I'll make enough money. And she goes, no, no. Is that going to make you happy? And I said, but you would be really proud of me. And she's like, I don't care what you do. I just want you to be happy. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to major in kinesiology. She's like, yeah, you're not really great at math. I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't know why I thought this was a good idea. And she's like, you just need to make you happy and I'll be proud of you no matter what. And I needed to hear that. But for the longest time, I was like, I'm going to do A, B, C, and D. And my parents will be so proud because I'm a people pleaser. There's another sign I should have been in HR. I love, you know, making other people happy. It's, it's what I thrive on. And so I needed to hear that. And I hope that there are people in everybody else's lives who will keep it real with them and be like, no, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> well, I think that's a great story to end on. Holly, where can people find you, follow you, find Generation Esports, learn more? Yeah, so for me, you can find me on LinkedIn. My first name is Holly, last name Gray, G-R-A-Y. Um, it's just a blonde girl with a red t-shirt on. That's my profile. Just add me on LinkedIn. Um, in terms of Generation Esports, you can follow us on pretty much every social platform. We've got Twitter, Instagram, um, LinkedIn. Please go follow us. Um, we're constantly pumping out brand new ideas, collaborations, campaigns, and we have a lot of exciting stuff that's going to be happening in the near future. So I really hope that you guys will um, come take a look and see what we're all about. So fun. For all the listeners out there, don't forget to leave five-star ratings and reviews. Tell a friend about the podcast and check out other Holodeck Media podcasts, including Meta Business and Business of Esports. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Lindsay Poss. You can catch me Wednesday afternoons on the Business of Esports Live After Show, and you can catch this podcast in your feed every Tuesday. See you next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Woman. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Woman.